Welcome to Public Showering, created by me, Sophie Duncan. This is the only podcast designed specifically for pole artists, aerialists, and movers of all kinds who want to learn how to build amazing choreography, tell your stories, and be the best performer you can be. Part of my Sadasi creative coaching system, I'll help you unlock your full fierce and creative selves using professional dance, theater, choreography, and circus tools, plus a hint of real life backstage stories and some simple confidence boosting skills. Welcome to part two of my chat with the glorious Emma Coffey as we talk about competitions. This is what happened in part one. Very few strippers would extend through their ankle. That's so, so true. That's a real kind of like stripper aesthetic. Mm. You know, it still needs to be intentional. Uh, yeah, family friendly over 18 for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, do you know what? <laughs> the community, especially involved in the sexy style of pole, literally that's just how it was born and evolved and it has become incredibly supportive and i was just literally thinking just then while you were talking about it the background and where it all started and i'm just going to say this was 17 years ago that i was a stripper i don't think i realized how long ago it was get close to the camera interact with the camera because the judges that are watching it still want to see that level of engagement and interaction top tip right there Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Public Showering, a very, very, very special little mini-series I've got going on right now where we're talking all about the wondrous thing that is competitions. And in this second part of this lovely thing, I have the glorious Ms. Emma Coffey with me, which is very, very good. For all, for all the listeners out there, if you, if you hear a small cat in the background, it's because uh, Billy, the uh, wonderful cat of the coffees... Um, <laughs> Might gate crash a party, but I'm I'm always down for a little bit of uh, animal magic that happens on on my podcast. I mean, it's cute. We like it. It just adds to it. Billy likes to be involved. He really does. He's one of the cutest cats in the world. Anyway, right, 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 right. Let's get to the actual thing now. So we, in our last <laughs> conversation, <laughs> we were talking about all kinds of things. We were talking about your comps. We were talking about uh, you filthy amateur, you filthy fucker, the things that you look to in heels and technique and stuff. In this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the idea of possibly not competing, <laughs> which seems counterintuitive for what we're talking about. However, I mm. think there's a lot of things that you could bring to the party um and in the same time we want to talk a little bit about injury prevention things because one thing that happens in comps is that you push yourself to the limit and you absolutely exert so much i guess stress on yourself like the things that you put on yourself to like mentally make the best routine ever artistically try and make the best routine ever try and throw in stuff that you've never done before like of course there's progress that should be made when you're making um, a, a piece. But what are the things to not try and force down your neck when you're doing these things? Because I know that you and your husband both work in um, coaching as well as as well as pole and other things. What are the things that you would definitely be telling someone to like, let's just back off a bit because you're going a little bit too intense right now? <laughs> Mm. And also take our own advice. I don't think we're always great at taking our own advice, too, if we're really super honest. Um, no. In human nature, we're so bad. I'm like, oh, if I were you, I'd do this. But then when it is us, we don't do it at all. Um, so first of all, like, I would never say to anybody, hey, don't compete. But what I would say is that you don't have to compete to find your way in pole. Yeah. So if you've got any inkling of thinking, oh, I want to try it, absolutely. 
go for it but just treat your body respectfully and as responsibly as you can and try and surround yourself by people that essentially have made the mistake so get coaches work with people that can guide you in how to split your training so that you're not injuring yourself so one of the best things that you can do is it gets really easy to get tunnel vision when you're competing and train the same tricks over and over and over again so at the end of our training sessions we always have like fun time where we'll train what we need to but we also will spend some time with some different tricks or some new tricks or some spins or some silly things so that our body isn't just doing the same thing over and over (laughs) and guys do both sides (laughs) we're not just saying this for the hell of it or to be awkward like you are so much less likely to get injured if you do both sides i'm guessing by so's reaction she's not too great at both sides there hey hey It's, you know what? It's, it's my my pole life is so weird. I do feel seen. I am like no, there's certain things like there's the, in general the <laughs> in general I've been quite good and I have to have a sensible shout out to Lana Walker who literally on the day one of this she's like do both sides, do both sides, do both sides, do both sides. However, mm. I have to admit right now that mm. I for some reason seem to zone to be left-handed in pole and I'm not left-handed I'm right-handed lord knows why that happens it just it is what it is and I've gotten into the habit so much now of like various tricks especially like really like more elite tricks I consistently do with my left hand up especially like eye shirt or anything that's like traveling through so now I genuinely cannot confidently mm. Uh, get from a right-handed handspring like honestly like I'll make it just because I guess I'm strong enough just to kind of muscle up and do it Mm. but in the same time it's ridiculous to me when you especially when you see like my aerial pole Mm. stuff I can chuck these stuff I'm actually deadlifting on on this side can I do it on my right no and I'm like okay so if you're Mm. (laughs) even I say in podcasts to both sides and I'm a terrible terrible person (laughs) I'm sorry I'm sorry everybody I'm a shyster okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we've all just exposed ourselves as hypocrites um, <laughs> there's so many tricks though it's so many tricks you, you can't do everything you need to train. <laughs> I know no of course and nine times out of ten if we're honest we're not going to be able to do it to the same level that we do on our dominant side no. but it's not about that it's not about perfection it's about protection and that's what we have to remember it doesn't matter if it looks like dog poo on one side as long as we are attempting it and also let's say, let's say we do do everything that we should but we still get injured mm. if you can train both sides you can flip that trick over so you can still compete your routine that's very so true. if there's just that one thing that's causing you problems switch it out yeah so it is super important but this this word that as pole dancers we're not too good at uh, rest days oh my god like i feel like we have to train every single day to be productive i definitely grew <laughs> out of that though i definitely grew out of that because and now i feel like i'm on the other side of being like do i have too many rest days maybe i should go to the gym today but mm. <laughs> like, but no that's so true actually like and again it's something i've mentioned before like it's not just for your body your brain because like I'm the I'm the kind of person, and this has been one of my like biggest issues as a as especially as a younger professional dancer. I'm not great in auditions because I'm not that kind of person that soaks all the information on day one. I literally have to go to sleep to understand it, and I do this all the time with new comps. Like 
And I've just learnt myself, like for anyone again that's just starting um, to make routines, or even if you've been making routines for a few years now and you're still like, why does this happen? Literally, go to bed, go to sleep. It's not a big deal mm. if you don't do it today. You will do it tomorrow because your brain has just gone, wait, so what was that thing we just did? And then in your sleep, in the magic of sleep, mm. which is lovely in itself, all this fun stuff happens. And then the next mm. day you wake up and you're like, yo, that's funny. I could do it today. And I've learned that's literally just what it is. Like, God knows, just the magic of bodies. <laughs> yeah, giving yourself a chance to process what you're trying to learn. And like, we have to remember pole dance is not really comparable to any other kind of thing that we do in our day-to-day life. And it's, it's, you get fatigued really quickly. It's not though, is it? Like, it's not like you can't think, oh, it's similar to this because it's such a unique sport and such a unique thing to be doing. You can't really relate it. And the same in sex as well. Like, you don't walk around in your shoes in the same way that you do. It's very different. So our body fatigues quickly. So rest is important. Are you laughing because you do? You do walk around like that? I don't know. I guess I get in my mind. I think... No, I don't wear heels enough, like, even in life. Like, I literally bought some new heels the other day, and it was, like, the most mm. proudest moment of, like, a, like the past year or something. And I was like, and I'm going to walk in these, and I'm going to feel mm. fancy about it. But it's, I literally have to relearn how to walk in, in high heels in real life. Mm. Like, I'm probably better in a pole studio than I am in real life. <laughs> Same. I cannot walk in normal shoes to save my life. <laughs> pole shoes, fine. <laughs> No problem. Like, I think, actually, I'm literally, I was thinking the other day, I'm going to sell all of my heels because I don't wear them and just go out in pole shoes. <laughs> I was going to, you know what, though? Like, I mean, okay, I'm, I'm based in Berlin at the moment, so pretty much anything, anything happens. But in Berlin, you can be wearing the most craziest stuff in the world and yet still no one wears heels. Like, you might see it in, like, a bit of London Soho, you might see mm. drag queens a little bit, but it's very rare that we actually see anyone in heels. And I'm also mm. like, why not? <laughs> They're really comfy. Like, wouldn't you actually know what the, mm. what the heck you're doing? I mean, you might need a tall friend to kind of help you on the cobbled streets of Soho, but other than that... Mm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, pole shoes are perfect. They are, they're the way forward. Definitely pleasers for life now. Well, actually, I guess they're just part of, you know, there's, there's some people's uniforms, so they should be made to be suitable for all weathers and occasions. Um, so, mm, but I agree. One thing I is... I feel like we've gone on a tangent. We have gone on a tangent. We're just talking talk about heels now. It's okay. <laughs> people like to know this. Um, but anyway, back, back to the party. One thing that I know you really wanted to talk about is... Um, Anyway, what do you do then if you don't actually want to compete? Like, where do we go to enjoy the process of making something? Mm. But then where, where can we perform? Because not everyone wants to compete and also not everyone has somewhere to perform. Mm. So where do we go for that? Mm-hmm. And I think also there's a little group of people that perhaps do want to compete, but they don't want their first stage experience to be of a competition yeah so it's really important to have these platforms so we have a showcase every year called peppermint fox which used to be it started off as our little internal studio showcase mm-hmm. and within about four years it's now grown into an absolutely massive showcase That's because it. we do it at one of the venues that we do a competition in but there's no judges so everyone gets that opportunity to come and dance on that same stage in the same environment mm. without the judging process 
but a lot more studios are now doing in-house showcases which is fantastic lots of studio owners and event organizers are making platforms for showcases there are more and more all the time mm. and there are they are also becoming much more diverse which is wonderful mm. because everybody does deserve the opportunity to show what they've done yeah without necessarily i say having to compete of course I don't mean it like that without choosing to compete. <laughs> you have to. Choosing is a better word. <laughs> choosing. <laughs> yeah. But I think if you've got, if you're thinking about it and there's a little bit of you that's what if, I think definitely, absolutely try it and you may love it. Mm. You might try it and think, you know what, this isn't for me. And we haven't talked about this yet, but post comp blues or post event blues, that's a really real thing. And yeah taking out the competitive element eases the post comp blues post event blues a little bit because you haven't then got to deal with feedback and placings as well as the come down from preparing to perform it's so true like i know that both of us had like a whole like revelation after we did pole theater this year like because i mean i think as well this one was somehow seemed even heavier because it was the first one back since covid and all that kind of stuff but like in my world, even if I'm super busy, even if I have another job to do or whatever, the comp really does take precedent of like my entire life. Because especially, and I don't even try to do this. It's just something that naturally happens. I don't know why, but like my food just starts getting a bit better. So this is why for me comp is good because it, it makes me actually be a bit better. So I eat a bit better. I drink a bit less. I train better actually, and I kind of communicate better with the right people but then I've put so many things into mm -hmm. this like little pocket of time the day after comp is magical because then you, I guess you're just getting all your feedback and you're still having the oh my god yes finally but then you wake up on usually the Monday or the Tuesday morning like hopefully you don't have a hangover anymore but secondly you're like well what the hell do I fill my time with now <laughs> yeah <laughs> who even am I now? Like, you've eaten all your pick and mix, the gin's gone. Like, we just do not know what to do anymore. Yeah, you don't um, exist anymore. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, because it is all consuming. And I think it doesn't matter what level you're at. Mm. When you, something is so important to you, it is all consuming. So that's another reason why showcases are great. And even for people that do compete, that still want to perform, actually, it might be occasionally good to take a step back from the actual competition and do it for the fun of it. Can you imagine fun? Wow. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah. Do you find do you find competing fun? I do. I think fundamentally I do, otherwise I wouldn't do it. I think for me, it does feel different because I am in the lucky position of being a performer. So like like right now, I'm building a new aerial pole routine for the show I'm making here. So I get that kick. And I take so much more time with um, routines for uh, shows because I have the time and I have all this stuff. So it's so much more relaxing. So I think for me, the comp gives me that poke of like like mm. it's it's really mine and i what i love about the comp process is that you you create the whole thing that five minutes is a pocket of you and it's so personal and the the entertainment value for myself about making a comp routine is the reason why i do it and yes okay i love running i love winning it's super fun it's not something that on the first comp i ever thought i would do and it just so happens that i've been quite successful but i mean i think i think mm. even the the nervousness of of being on stage wondering that is very entertaining to me and like you know 
Paul, Fi- oh, Paul Fitt. That's no, a moment. It's it's a moment, but it's like it's not a moment that you can ever exist. It doesn't exist anywhere else. Like, because let's say you were a runner and you ran the hundred meters, you know who won. <laughs> like, you know, do you know what I mean? Mm. Like. There's something so special about that mm. moment. And if you don't come first or you don't place and you go, huh, it's, it's, a, it's a crappy moment. But it's also you kind of just stand there listening to everyone applauding this other person that you wish was you. And you have to go, all right, OK, they yeah, they nailed it fucking good job you know and there's there's something very relieving about it yeah. and i think there's something okay to be about being a bit sad about it because you know you did put your time and effort into it and that's positive if you went off stage being like oh well anyway it was crap like i failed at this and this didn't happen and you left the stage <laughs> with no feelings you're a lying <laughs> b mm. you, i don't think mm. you did what you wanted and you know, it's it's good mm. to be high emotion. It's really good to be high emotion because it's so special. And you know, as a as a performer, I don't get that. And also in in the shows that I do, it's usually not my vision. You know, it's someone else's. It's the director's vision. Yeah. Someone else's music. Someone else's costume. You know, it's it's if I'm lucky, it's fifty fifty. Mm. So I think comps are just yeah. very special. But the emotional roller coaster of the aftermath. <laughs> is mm. call your friends. <laughs> Big. Yeah, but th- I think this is important to touch on. I know we talked about this briefly before, but this is why the process of building up to the show is so important and the enjoying your training and thinking about the reasons why you're doing it and enjoying the process genuinely is so important because comp day can be a whirlwind. And of course, everybody wants to do their best. So for some people that might be winning, for some people that might be delivering the cleanest routine they've done. But you want to come away feeling satisfied that you know you've done everything that you can and that doesn't always go that way so i'll give you an example like i've done competitions where i haven't placed but i know i've done my best and i've been elated and i've loved the day and i've had a comp where i've won but i didn't do my best and i hated life (laughs) i hated it have you seen that meme of that miserable kid in second place on facebook and the third place kid is like beaming yeah i was the second place mardi child like yeah because it's a for me it's not necessarily about winning but i do want to know that i did the best that i could do yeah yeah so there is a a huge emotional connection to the result yeah so yeah post comp blues very very real um but i think like yes it is fun and it should be fun the process should be fun but also fulfilling Yes. So even if you don't necessarily enjoy it, did it fulfill you in some way? Did it help you learn something new about yourself? Did it help you find a style or a skill that you didn't know you had? So there's always something positive to gain from the process. Absolutely. And I think depending on the story that you're trying to put out there, like I, I'm always a bit nervous about making super personal things. And I've always recommended to people don't go too dark because it, it is a scary place to be. <laughs> However, like... You know, if you're desperate to tell a story because you think it is going to genuinely help you process, like for some people, it's it's good to do an artistic vision of something that you've experienced because you're literally processing it. Like we, 
as humans have to process information and one of the greatest things that we can do as humans mm. is do something artistic about it so i think one element of competing is like mm. it is good to pr to pressure yourself to or give yourself a bit of pressure a bit of a push to make something that has a time limit you have to deliver things by certain times like literally your music has to be in your costume has to be mm. in this has to happen and they all happen in this order so that you can then go on stage and i think we are all great procrastinators <laughs> and you know when you have a comp mm -hmm. it makes you it keeps you accountable you know because e even a showcase showcases will also make you accountable but i think that added extra mm -hmm. I think it might switch you on a little bit, but I think the mm. biggest thing definitely is to enjoy the process. Like you've really got to enjoy it. Mm -mm. You have to love, it's like a labor of love, isn't it? You have to love what you're doing and be excited. And I think for me, emotionally connected, especially when we talk about the pole theater that we trained together for, mm. the emotional connection to that was something that I hadn't experienced in another routine before. Sure. So that was a whole new experience. And also, like I said, learning new skills that I had never, I don't even know what's called, you know, the video behind that you oh, used yeah. to introduce yourself. Yes, the bio. Um, this thing. Yeah, like that was a new thing. Yeah, bio. Yeah, <laughs> That's bio. the one, yeah. It was a video. But I'd never recorded one before. Mm. Yeah, but that was new. So each time you compete or each time you perform and you put yourself out there, you're probably going to learn a new skill set. So That's true. There are other rewards other than just the routine itself. And I would definitely, definitely say, like, definitely have people around you. Don't keep your routine to yourself. Like, and I don't mean mm. that you have to now show your routine every single week to someone accountable, but I mean... Do talk to your mates about it. Like, I'm quite cagey about my routines, like, at least in the beginning part, because I have a process in which I have to genuinely understand what's happening. And I kind of don't want anyone's input because I just don't want it. It's my process, so I'm, I'm figuring out. But I still talk to people throughout the process that are mostly not pole-related. Mm. Some are, just because I might just want to share to them... Mm. Like, I was thinking this, but maybe this won't happen, and blah, blah, blah. And if you just verbalise your concept... I know it sounds awful, but it's a, it's a kind of a selfish thing to do because you're just sort of airing words at a person. And because you're mm -hmm. airing the words, your brain will tick. It doesn't really matter what they say back to you <laughs> because you're just going, maybe I'll do this. No, I agree this. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of like... Yeah, it, it just makes things come clear. And I think some of the best ideas come out when you're chatting because you're quite relaxed around your friends, mm. you're perhaps looking at it through a slightly different eyes as well. So yeah. things that you hadn't thought of in the, let's say, slightly more stressed environment of routine planning, mm. they will come through when you're talking to friends. Uh, but also, I think competing can be, if you choose to do it that way, it can be a lonely process. Yeah. So I also think it is important to share the journey with people because there are going to be days when you're going to need your mates to go, right, get, get to the studio. Send yeah. me that video. Especially if you're training and you're competing in the winter and the studio's freezing. Oh my God. It's really hard to motivate yourself. You are going to probably need that. Um, but also, just to touch on something that you just said there, you're creative background and you're like having the confidence that you have as a person I think that makes you a little more private with your routines because you have that experience and the confidence to create it yourself 
I perhaps, depending on what kind of routine it would be, would probably need some earlier input. Mm. Um, so I think think either is wrong. I think some people need a lot of guidance, a lot of input. True. And some people, like one of my close friends that I did UK PPC with, we didn't see her routine until the day because she is very independent and likes to be in her own space. Whereas I think three or four people did see mine and bash some ideas around. So whichever way you choose to do it is absolutely fine but you do have to go with the way that feels right for you for sure and i think you said it right there like bash some ideas around I, your friends are not there to make your routine for mm. you by the way they're there to go Mm-mm. could you do this maybe and if you are a friend i'm assuming that people listening probably are friends with other mm. people um like, if someone's come into you say do you think <laughs> i should do this should i do this try to be the friend that doesn't say i think this should happen i think this should happen verbalize it differently Mm -hmm. have you thought about this could be an idea or this could be an idea if you're if they're saying like tell me what to do Mm. try and step back a little bit and be like well one idea could be this or have you thought about this thing and you know how your mates work because there's nothing more confusing when there's too many chefs in the kitchen and i genuinely see this on the top level Mm. like you know production companies i work for you get the director, mm. the assistant director, the assistant director's assistant. You'll get the something designer. And there's, there's like 10 people. Mm. And I'm just like, just shut the fuck up. Just shut up. Just someone. Mm. Just be a little bit more careful because it's you don't need 18 voices. You do need people to voice off and bounce ideas off and think about things. But try mm. to be the friend that... Don't tell them what to do. Allow them to think the thought themselves because it's still their routine. Mm, yeah. Ask them why they're asking. Yes. Yeah, like, why are you asking me that? What What are you trying to get at? What are you, what are you searching for? So that you can ask the right questions to help them get to that point themselves. Yeah. Um, but also, just to touch on something that just came into my head there when you were saying that, ownership of your own choreography and your own routine is really important as well because... There's another situation may occur when you could be on stage and or your feedback could be that one of the judges didn't like something. And if someone else has given you that input and you've gone with their input, you're kind of going to feel a little bit bitter. So you have to have full ownership. And even... Do you understand what I'm saying, though? You have to yeah. take full responsibility for the choices that you make along the way. And we have to appreciate that a lot of people, especially those that are newer to pole, will work with choreographers or will work with their instructors. Mm. So a lot of them will have other people really heavily involved in their choreography. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you can't turn around and say, no, this doesn't feel good for my body. Or actually, no, I'm not keen on this transition. I would like to change this. Mm. So what I'm saying is you don't have to, just because something is suggested, you don't have to take it. You can explore and make it feel right for you because at the end of the day, you're the one that's got to deliver it on stage and take the feedback. Yeah, 100%. It's got to be you. And it's it's all those things, everything we've been talking about, like you've got to leave the stage having won or lose, just being like that, that literally identifies everything I wanted to say and I've done it. The audience, they made all the sounds that made sense spot on like and it doesn't matter mm. if you're doing a comp or you're doing a showcase mm. or whatever it's yeah make sure that yeah mm. the process has been great and like i know you said something before about like you've got to you've got to tick the right boxes like obviously there's judging criteria that you've got to pay attention to mm. obviously but i mean even with with the judging criteria there's different points for different things and i think you can definitely all the judging criteria that exist isn't 
that pigeonholy. It's just about maintaining this high level of something. So you've still got loads of room. So, you know, do read all of your what's what's right in that comp, but don't get so terrified by it. It's just it's guidelines and it's still subjective. Ultimately, it's still subjective. <laughs> Yeah, and this is why it's, it potentially can be brutal because it is subjective. But I would something I would like to see more competitions doing is really briefing their judges on exactly what their criteria means. Because mm. obviously there are a lot of the same judges doing shows. It's really important that the judge understands the breakdown of what that competition stands for and exactly what they're looking for within their criteria. And yes, obviously, if you want to place highly, you have to tick boxes. But also, it's really important not to sell your soul. So <laughs> if a competition... But it's true. I think we've all been probably guilty at some point of studying criteria so hard. We've lost a little bit of who we are because we felt like we had to tick every box. Mm. And if that's the case, you probably won't enjoy the process and it probably won't fill you with satisfaction because it won't feel like it's integrity to who you really are. So mm. it might, that particular thing might not be worth it. So choose your, choose your battles, choose the comps that are right and sit well with who you are. Amazing. Cool. Well, I think that's a perfect place to end this. It's been an absolute honour and a pleasure, as always, uh, Emma, for, for all of this. So for all those out there that somehow don't know who you are, which is shocking to me, but if anyone doesn't, can you please tell us all of the, the Instagrams and all the places and all the things that people can find you and also um, your comps and where people might want to do that? Because I guess if someone's never heard of these comps, there's a lovely place. It's Geg, which we all enjoy. <laughs> It's the highlight of the poll season. I'm it sure. literally is. I'm uh, sorry. You know, I have so to just is. open my Instagram. <laughs> it's the place to be. Like, see, so like, like we're talking about the post comp blues. The perfect place to get rid of those is in Skegness nightclubs right. immediately after the event. It's the the highlight. One hundred percent. This is really embarrassing. I, just, <laughs> I had to open my Instagram. I don't even know what my hashtag is on Instagram. <laughs> Um, Lol. <laughs> I'm so bad at this stuff um, but I'm on Instagram Emma underscore dot coffee and then you can find you filthy comps for all of the sexy stuff and great British pole championships for a more sport style competition but that definitely is inclusive and very much welcoming to sexy style too amazing and if anyone's in your area where would they go to for some pole classes Ms Emma Oh, I'm at a lovely little town called Ulford, which no one ever knows where it is. <laughs> um, about 20 minutes from Skegness, the end of the earth, but we love it. It's gorgeous, and it's just such a cute and lovely studio. And anyone that I've I've taught that I've had such a lovely time. They're just such generous and amazing students. Well, thank you so much, my darling, and I hope that I get to see you very soon because I miss you. <laughs> Oh, thank you. I miss you too. <laughs> All right, then. Take it easy, my love. And that's the end of this episode. Love you. Bye-bye. If you're loving what you've been hearing in the Public Showering Podcast, you have to experience Sadasi. www.soduncan.com slash It's the online community that is everything you've been hearing in public showering, plus so much more. It's where you can get one-to-one -one help bringing all these ideas to your own work, it's where you can learn new creative coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will blow your mind even more. And it's where you can hang out and chat with other Sadasi members just like you and help each other unlock your creative potential. 
It's fun, it's chill, and I'm there for you when you need that little bit of extra support. So come join us at www.soduncan.com slash sadassi. It's been a pleasure to have you with me today. I'll see you there. Love you, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>